0: Welcome to the Bronx Year Basketball Show. I'm your host, Nathan Callanan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Lynch. We're coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, where it is currently 5 p.m. on Thursday, the 3rd of September. Just before I get into what's on today's show, let me give you a sneak preview on what our next episode entails. It'll be our 10th episode, so you can say it's a bit special, and a special episode calls for a special guest. We have our first guest coming on the podcast, and man, is he a special guest? He's a current NBA player. We'll be talking to him all the way. He'll be calling us all the way from America. He recently signed with the Philadelphia 76ers and we can't wait to speak to him. So make sure you're checking out the social media pages, Bronx Cheer B-Ball on Twitter and the Bronx Cheer Basketball on Facebook or Instagram. And keep an eye out for the updates on there about the next episode and our special guest. On today's show, of course, we'll be recapping all the completed Round 1 series. They're all done now. We'll definitely go over those Game 7s that happened in the West. And of course, we'll start previewing the upcoming Round 2s of the, of the West. And also, we'll take a look at how the first two games have gone for the Round 2 of the East and of course, we'll finish off with our favorite segment, The Random Player Debate. That's going to be good fun. We're ready to go. It's time for tip-off.
1: Well, and
0: cheering i'm surprised by that and and the players are telling him not to be doing
1: that
0: once again welcome to the bronx cheer basketball show i'm with a guy who his celtics are up 2-0 over the second place toronto raptors how are you feeling jl i'm feeling Excellent
1: with uh, the way the Celtics are progressing. I'm a bit disappointed that you've undersold the Raptors. You could have said they were the defending world champions or something to make it sound...
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know why I didn't say that. That would have just made Boston sound a little bit
1: better beating them, but um, now I'm feeling good. I think uh, the Celtics are rolling, so I'm, I'm just sitting here comfortably watching along and hoping it all goes well.
0: It's probably my natural instinct to, yeah, undersell a team that Boston is losing to uh, so <laughs> oh boy see you see you see what my brain does <laughs> i just can't talk about boston winning you just have to come and accept it yeah so we will talk about the goddamn celtics later it is spring in australia it is a nice weather yesterday it was 21 did you catch a bit of sun
1: always got to get your uh
0: your hour hour outside make the most of it went for a nice bike ride that's it. I've started uh, actually playing a bit of basketball at the front. My back's getting a bit better, playing a bit of basketball with my little brother. Uh, of course, you know, taking him to the post because I'm a bit too uh, heavy to keep up with him agility-wise. You look like Nikola Jokic, over <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> Jokic before the bubble, may I say. But anyway, yes, yeah, so it's uh, all nice stuff down here in Australia, but we are being treated to some beautiful basketball over in the States. We've had two Game 7s. One was yesterday, one was today. We're definitely going to get straight into them soon. But just worth mentioning that the Bucks closed out the Magic 4-1 as the Lakers closed out the Blazers 4-1. Pretty straightforward, both of those. Also, the Clippers closed out the Mavericks, and that was 4-2. Porzingis, I said, would definitely come back for Game 6 in the last pod. But he did not. He actually was. was diagnosed. Yeah, he was diagnosed with a torn meniscus. So he was out for game six. The Clippers took it home. So we will talk about who we think will get that done in these uh next series. Brandon Ingram, since we last spoke, was awarded the most improved player award. Which was how'd you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think that was very much deserved. He's like bio would have been a pretty decent recipient any other year. But uh Ingram especially with um, Williamson missing so many games Ingram uh, just led the Pelicans um, almost made the playoffs but his scoring was up his efficiency was up rebounding up assists up everything about his game was just improved so no doubt in my mind he deserved that award
0: from a non stats person myself just with the eye test you could call it uh, you could for me it was just seemed that more of ingram's shots this season were going in less of them were sort of um back iron or front rim more of them were smoothly going in and dare i say it was starting to look a a bit like kd in his sort of frame yeah, just the skinny arms yeah the the jump shot going in so congratulations to brandon ingram in some uh tragic news we've had some we've had four notable deaths in the sort of, I guess, the celebrity and basketball world. Uh, Lute Olsen, who is a legendary coach of the Arizona Wildcats, he passed away. Uh, Cliff Robinson, who spent many, many years with the Portland Trailblazers and I think was an all-star at one stage with Defensive them. Defensive player of
1: the year as well, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, he passed away. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, who is who was the the lead role for Black Panther and the movie uh, 42, which is about Jackie Robinson. Uh, He passed away. He was battling uh, colon cancer for four years secretly. And I thought that that was a bit sad pretty much because I don't know if you've seen Black Panther, but it's a a movie that's so relatable to the current times with all the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, So that was just... I know you never want anyone to go, especially at his age. He was only 43, but the timing of of that was just, just terrible. So that was tragic. And then the other day, John Thompson, the legendary Georgetown coach, passed away. He was the first African-American coach to win an NCAA tournament. He coached uh, Patrick Ewing. Alan Iverson, uh Zoe Morning, I think, and also there was another one, but I've forgotten. But yeah, so he 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 was huge. He he liked to take in players in Georgetown who had talent, but you know, they needed a bit of correcting, you know, with the way they approached their professionalism. And Alan Iverson has said many times that he said basically thank you to Coach Thompson for saving his life. So Bit of a bit of a sad note mm. over the last um, exciting week of Game Sevens, but we uh, we're thinking of those passings and uh, may they rest in peace. But let's get to the good times. The Nuggets and the Jazz went all the way to seven. The Mitchell and Murray show continued on all the way through to you should say Game Six because they dropped Murray dropped fifty in Game Six and Mitchell dropped forty four in Game Seven. It Tightened up like all game sevens do, and they both didn't have a great night. But Mitchell averaged 36.3 points over the series. He shot 51% from a three off 9.1 attempts, and he was playing an average of 38 minutes per game of the series. He had an effective field goal percentage of 63%, and he was just phenomenal. And on the other side, Jamal Murray was awesome as well. He averaged 31.6 points per game. He had 6.3 assists and he was just amazing, especially from games four to six. The final score of game seven was 80 to 78. It It was a classic. Mike Conley had the chance to win it at the buzzer. Unfortunately, it went in and out. Have you seen that photo, JL, where... Donovan Mitchell standing there with his hands up, almost like he's celebrating, and the ball's like halfway down. You seen that one?
1: It was so close. Yeah, I did see the photo.
0: The Jazz put up a mighty fight. I wish that they had Bogdanovich in so we could have seen them at their, their full abilities. But in fairness, the Nuggets didn't have Will the Thrill-Barden, and they also only got Gary Harris back late. So apart from the guys being phenomenal, did you know JL that they combined for the most points ever in a playoff series?
1: Yeah, which is I mean, scoring is up, so it was sort of bound to happen, but from those two guys I wouldn't have expected it. Um just everything seemed to be falling for the two of them for games 1 to 6 more or less, so um it's not the record stood from 1969 I'm pretty sure from the NBA finals. Um, so it's been there for god knows how long. Um, And just, it was incredible to watch as a fan. Just like anyone, even the players themselves were just in awe of what was going on.
0: And Jamal Murray tied Steph Curry's record for most threes made in a playoff series by an individual player. That's 32. Curry's done it twice, both in 2016. And Donovan Mitchell surpassed it in that game seven and he went to 33. So that is now the most threes ever made in a single NBA playoffs series by a player looking forward as great as all that was looking forward the Nuggets will meet up with the very talented LA Clippers how are you feeling about that series for either side
1: well I think the the main takeaway is what Jamal Murray said after the game seven win when it was like we're playing on on Thursday or whatever it is Um, they're not getting a break they've had one day off they're going to be absolutely exhausted. The Clippers have been waiting for about a week now. Um I fully expect game 1 the Clippers to come out firing. Um and I think that'll sort of continue for the rest of the series. Uh obviously the Nuggets can put up a fight. Uh, very very talented offensive team. Um defensively they're not too bad, but I think the Clippers' ability to score and defend will just be uh be the difference there between the two teams.
0: Hopefully with Gary Harris, you know, getting some more some more minutes coming back and they can I guess, you know, try and keep strengthening up the Nuggets. And hopefully if Jamal can keep performing the way he did for especially those games four to six, and if Jokic can turn up, then they definitely do have a shot and they can match them with depth. But I think in the playoffs, unfortunately, it does come down to how good your superstars are, if you have any, and especially if you're lucky enough to have wing you know agile wing versatile superstars and the Clippers that's basically exactly what they have they have Kawhi and PG and if they're not doing all right then Morris can put in 20 and and of course they got Lou Will and Montrez off the bench the two six men nominees I still think that the Clippers will be too strong for the Nuggets and I think it shouldn't be too tough unless I, I don't know, unless I can't see, even if Murray drops 50, I can't see the Clippers failing to get this done.
1: I don't think Murray's the key to the key to um, Denver winning winning the series or winning a few games here just because I know that the, the Clippers have multiple wing defenders that they can whack on him. I think it's going to come down to Jokic and we saw it, well, we've been seeing it for the last few years that he's clearly their best player. But we saw it in Game 7 where he whips out thirty points on top of twenty-three shooting. Um he's probably the best passing big man of all time. So when the Clippers are already a short team, they've got Zubaks that plays in the in the middle. I think that for the for the nuggets to make some noise, it's gonna be the Jokic show. Um so I'm I'm looking forward I love seeing big man action and obviously it's a it's a small man and it's a wingman's league at the moment. So seeing Seeing Jokic with his back to the basket, trying to win a playoff game is going to be fantastic.
0: Yes, hopefully that can that can be a competitive series. Now, moving on to the other exciting series that went down to seven. The The LA teams had some nice rest waiting for these games to finish. The other side was the Rockets against OKC. Uh, it went down to seven because in game six, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> who had returned, um, made some funny... Last-minute decision. There were some
1: awful errors there and some yeah. awful... The shot selection. And he's, he's had these issues for a while now. Uh, you know, Yeah. The old saying, you you live by him and you die by him. Um, and it's definitely on show there in game six.
0: Yes, he he had an air ball and uh, there was something else. I can't recall, well, he about, but he did some- Throughout the whole game,
1: he had about five bad passes and not even just like turnover bad passes. They just missed the target or like just went straight out of bounds. Like usually turnovers, a a defender gets a hand in the way and deflects it or something like that. But he was just off the mark for the full 48 minutes there. And then he had another one down, down the stretch where just an errant pass went straight out of bounds.
0: I think uh, many people, I mean, we can keep going and going, but I think many people know how much I love Westbrook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't want to get too much into I have liked him this season honestly I have sorry I thought he's been better because the settling of his playing in his mold with the mid-range has been good however I don't know benefit of the doubt I guess just coming back and having to gel again he was just terrible in that game six and he wasn't much either in game seven
1: how good was Chris Paul at the end of the game though he finished at 28 I'm pretty sure but just will that team to victory. And I love seeing, you know, the, the smallest man on the court, uh, 35 years old, not nearly as athletic or as quick as he used to be, but contested threes, getting getting inside, getting to the line. It was just a vintage CP3 performance.
0: How Rockets fans would have loved that in, in his hamstring days there oh. over the last couple of years. Gosh, uh, who knows what could happen, for example, in 2017. Was it 2017 when he... He didn't play game seven. Yeah, I think because so. Because of the hamstring. Yeah. They over, and they missed Maybe
1: twenty-seven threes 27 threes in a
0: row. 27 threes. Oh. You can, you can put it down to th- uh, a couple of things that lost, but anyway, moving on. CP3 is amazing. Well done to the Thunder for defying all odds. Um, When everyone thought they were basically going to be terrible, us included, and they were going to trade away their veterans. they, put up a great fight, had a great season 44 and 28 and then took the rockets all the way to game 7. There is one man who influenced a defensive juggernaut that was the thunder. His name is Lugentz Dort. <laughs> and I'd never said that name in my life pretty much until today. That's when I said the first the full name properly. But this man he he was just amazing defensively in the series.
1: Yeah. Um, well, he's just sort of the, the perfect prototype to defend Harden. He's, his lateral quickness is, is incredible. Like he's, the way he moves his feet, um, but also he's thick. He's got those you know, he's strong legs. He's got a strong core. He's only 21 years old, um, so he's playing with plenty of energy and was just enough to disrupt Harden sort of all series.
0: Undrafted Sun Devil out of Arizona State University, Dort, he's uh, come from a nice defensive structure there and he had an amazing Game 7, he had a career high 30 points after his career high was 23 during the season And, and did I mention that he's a rookie? He he was an undrafted rookie, and he actually joins LeBron and Kobe to be the only players 21 years or younger to score 25 points in a game seven.
1: You're putting putting Lou Dort with company. They don't don't deserve (laughs) to be in his company because he's the only one that scored 30 at the age of 21 in a game seven. The other two didn't do it. So they don't deserve to be in Lou Dort's company. Oh
0: right, yes, yes, because they had yeah twenty five or twenty
1: six or whatever it was, and Lou Dort's the only one That's to crack. Right. He's got the most points ever in a game thirty by a twenty one year old in a game seven by a twenty one year old. So
0: well, we can go on and on about his his offense, and I guess we've been going on about his defense, but his defense, especially on James Harden, who seems unguardable, or however you want to word it, he works within the referees' minds. He seems unguardable and Dortchess especially today. I mean, and we can start talking about James Harden today. Yes, he's been sort of, you know, suffocated by Dort and the Thunder's great defense. But what is it with James Harden and going missing in the playoffs? And don't hit me with Nave. Let me tell you some stats to tell you that he doesn't go missing. Because I don't care about stats right now. If if we must say stats, he had seventeen points today, four of fifteen, one of nine from three. But you know what? While I'm ranting, it's not actually about the four of fifteen, one of nine from three. Why isn't it four? Sorry. Why isn't it six of twenty-eight? And why isn't it one of fifteen like we've seen in other games?
1: Yeah, that's what surprised me as well. He wasn't even looking to score a lot of the time, so um do would be on him especially in like the fourth quarter when I thought all right Harden's going to take over here and he would sort of drive get to the free throw line and that's sort of usually when he's in his bag of tricks and he wasn't even trying to pull it out um he was just kicking it to the corners or you know letting someone else take over which was the most bizarre thing about the situation um but then like, like you said what's going on in the playoffs I don't know like and the st- the statistics, and I you know you said don't bring him up. He's he's a good playoff player, and he always has been, and he always will be. But it's the elimination games where he struggles. Yeah, and I don't know what about it. And I obviously in the playoffs, it's a whole different ball game to the regular season because you've got weeks to prepare for it, and you you work out a game plan. And like last year, we saw Utah try and play Harden from behind. Like they teams come up with these plans, and yeah. sometimes they work, <laughs> and sometimes they don't. But I don't get how Harden averaged what thirty-one points per game for the for the um, for the series. So what he's doing is working, and then for some reason in elimination games he just tends to fade away, um, and just doesn't look like a portion of himself.
0: Let me take you back to January third, US time last year, January fourth, our time. James Harden hits a huge shot over. I think it was Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Gets gets fouled, falls down, everything. I, I, I don't think they called the foul, to no, be honest. No, I don't think so either, off memory. They, did, they didn't call the foul, but that was unbelievable. He dropped 44 points that night, 15 assists, 10 rebounds, obviously a triple-double. In the OT Thriller, he 10 of 23, 13 of, 30, 13 of 32 field goals. <laughs> this is do that just just do that even if it's ugly that is the recipe or the current recipe for the rocket success it that's worked in the regular seasons why is he not taking 32 field goal attempts in today's game and they could have punished the the thunder even even earlier in the series and this is the same story. And you just have a look at his face while he's playing. And even in game six, when he did let Westbrook be an idiot and take over, Harden doesn't want it. He doesn't, he doesn't like kill for the ball. You know, he just sort of lets Westbrook lose the game. Yes. And it's the same story of the last few years. I'm just, he, he disappoints me in the playoffs. Well, he's got a second chance here. Um, And look,
1: in, in game six, he, he had 32 points and he had you know eight rebounds and seven assists so he's playing good basketball and then game 7 for some reason he he shied away from the moment and he's lucky that he's that the rockets got up because now he's got a chance in the second round to to prove and to try and dispel the theory that he does he does shy away in the playoffs
0: i actually was thinking that i think that it might be or this might just me this might just be me trying to believe in harden it might be a really good lucky thing that somehow they scrape through that series, and maybe matchup wise, there's no necessarily there's no dot on the Lakers, so maybe Harden can go off and give me bloody thirty five a game. This is what the this is what the offense is. Give it to me, Harden. Give me thirty five a game. Talk to me, JL, about Lakers Rockets. What's happening there? It's such an interesting one and it's such a hard one to judge because we've got a team that
1: um, LeBron and AD leading from the front where you've got that wing penetration and you've got AD who can do it both inside and out. And then you've got the small ball Rockets. So it's just like you've got the complete opposite teams trying to play, trying to play, or well, they're going into a seven game series. And which, whichever way you argue, you can be like, well, how are the Rockets going to try and defend uh, AD when they've got the small lineup? But you can also put it back to how are the Lakers going to try and defend all these smaller players and quicker players? So, look, in terms of what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, I don't know. I don't know how the Lakers are going to try and match up, and I don't. maybe they'll try and go big and keep JaVale on the floor um, and try and let PJ Tucker take those corner threes. Maybe they'll try and match up to the Rockets, but you would assume going into the series that the Lakers are the better team. They've proven it all year. Uh, Other than game one, they dominated games. 2-5 Two to five against uh the Trailblazers. So you my gut my gut and my brain both say the Lakers. However, I've never seen a series like this where they're both so they just counteract each other, the two teams. Yeah.
0: I I just think that simply I don't know. I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit nervous in terms of I think the Lakers simply Westbrook has to not be an idiot. He has to not be an idiot, which is hard for him to do um Westbrook has to be better and Harden has to be his MVP self so and I'm just not too confident that that's going to come out AD and LeBron have to do the same thing and in terms of the matchups as he said it's a sort of chalk and cheese it's it's not very it's like yeah they're going to attack each other in their own sort of weakness ways the Rockets did have a bit of success in the regular season against the Lakers with their tiny lineup. However, it all changes in the playoffs. You got playoff LeBron activated, finishing off the bla- the the Blazers. I'm not sure how it's going to go down, but I'm pretty. Um, I'm my prediction is that the Lakers will get it done. And I, I, and I think,
1: um, I think AD is the key here. Um. LeBron's quite clearly the better player of the two, and he's such a good facilitator. And I think he's going to be the one finding finding AD roll into the basket, and even just getting it above the basket for him to go get the ball. Um, but the thing is, if AD can stay out of foul trouble, because you know that they're going to be driving relentlessly at him, if he stays out of foul trouble and can manage to stay on the floor with the the five five smalls lineup, the Lakers should run away with it.
0: But how nice would it be, like honestly, to continue having some great series? How nice would it be for us to witness a six- or seven-game series about to come up where Harden averages 30 to 35, Westbrook averages 25, and then LeBron and AD, AD do their respective domination? You can't ask for any more. Give and I, the people I'm what just, they want.
1: I just want the, I want that, the
0: superstars to go head-to-head. That's it, and I'm I'm just afraid that that's not going to happen. But anyway, that's that for the Lakers and the Rockets. Now, moving on to the East. The second round of the East has started because of all the sweeps that happened. That's fine. We, we we won't mention one of the sweeps. <laughs> the, that's the one we should highlight the most, I think. Celtics, Raptors, JL. The first time they're ever meeting in the playoffs, which I still can't believe. I know you mentioned it last week. It still doesn't compute in my mind. I feel like the Celtics and the Raptors, have met in the playoffs like 80 times but they haven't just because there's
1: there's just so much salt between the two fan bases we just hate each other so just feels like we have there's animosity to suggest we have
0: start off with your i mean i don't know if i'm going to get an unbiased opinion but start off with your biased opinion your thoughts and all this tell me about those first two games tell me everything how's it feeling how how How's that looking for the rest of the series for the Celtics and the Raptors? Well, game one sort of—I don't know how much you can really take away from
1: it because it was just Boston wide wire, um, and like after the first quarter, it was actually quite even. But the Celtics just started with it—you know—got out to a twenty-point lead, and it was sort of game over from that point on. Um, so as much as I'd like to, as much as I would want to say that's what every game's going to be <laughs> like, um, the, the Raptors aren't going to shoot thirty-six percent from the field again, um. We're not going to see... I mean, we we sort of did see it anyway. See Archman Van Vliet struggle so much and Lowry struggle as well. Um, but game two was sort of the one where I'm going to judge the rest of the series on. Um, the teams match up quite well. Um, the Celtics just r- couldn't really get going the entire time. Um, I remember at halftime, Boston were up by two, but it was just a... Neither team looked good. Um, and then the second half was just... Toronto got out early in the third, played good basketball. And the way that they've been – you can tell they've been wanting to play that way. They're penetrating, kicking it out. Um, and one, when they're hitting the shots is when they're dangerous. But there's, the Raptors have been the best transition team in the league all, all year. And that's what they always want to do. But the Celtics are the best transition defense team. So that's why the match-ups just so <laughs> so good to watch. Um, so then game two, going down to the wire, and I thought – Toronto is going to take this one. But Marcus Smart, five threes in four minutes, including one with the foul. And just somehow the Celtics scraped through to another victory. Um, So, look, I have no idea what's going to happen for the series going forward because there's just not much to take away from it, really. Um, But the teams match up well. If the Celtics get back in transition, I think they're going to be able to pull this series win because, and I mentioned this already in the pod, I'm pretty sure, that... The Celtics have shot creators in terms of Brown, Tatum, Kemba can all all create for themselves and the Raptors don't really have that and I think in the playoffs that's essential so I'm I'm still sticking with Boston. I said in 7 initially and I'll probably now go Boston in 6.
0: Last week I said that the if it goes to 7 I'd take Boston because you need shot creators in the in in a in an elimination game, you know, like um win or go home. But and I was saying, if it's six or less, it'll be Raptors because I was talking about their depth and how their depth just, just parachutes over teams and just like you know puts you under a blanket and and suffocates you with their shots and everything that they do to you. However, when you talk about a team like that, this is sort of me just saving my own ass. When you talk <laughs> about a team like that, the Raptors. I think everyone knows. Sorry, let me put it like this way: the Raptors when everyone talks about the raptors being good it's like oh good on the raptors you know like Kawhi left they're shot creator they're still great good on them however now when you when they're shit <laughs> or when they're We're when they're underperforming yeah. and i've watched that i watched the entirety of especially game one and Van Fleet, oh my gosh, he was terrible. Bricks. So many bricks and Siakam, so predictable. Siakam's got one move.
1: He drives and spins and that's all he can do. (laughs) Every single time, you just got to wait for the spin and put your body in front.
0: It's times like these where, I don't know, as as a neutral... Sorry, I do follow a team, but as a neutral for the rest of the 29 teams... It's times like this when you you. It's good to see that, like for example, Siakam and and Van Fleet aren't just suddenly gods like they so seemingly proved to be last year and all of this season. However, it is sort of sad to see them get found out. You know, I'm sort of saying contradicting things, but yeah, they just they're just. Siakam's not a creator. He's
1: not a first option, and he's being paid like a first option now, and he's being. Nick Nurse is treating him like a first option, but yeah, when you've only got that sort of one move and you you very much rely on scoring in transition, when teams are intentionally planning the defense around that, he's got to find other ways to score, and he's had no, he hasn't even looks like he's that's a possibility so far this series. Yeah,
0: he just oh, he does not look he does not look good basically, and, and Van Vliet the same. It was a bit more tighter in, obviously, game two, but same story. Both of those guys were were just not there, and the beautiful stories that those two guys are, you know, they're not that highly touted, not that highly projected to be so good, and then they're on a championship team, and they lead the Raptors to the two-seed, but now it seems like they're showing that, that uh, emptiness, that hollowness, mm. so... As much as I love the Celtics, <laughs> I feel like that's going to be always my line, I don't want to, I don't want to say hate. You do, um, you do. As, as much as I hate the Celtics, two zero, one zero in the NBA playoffs is a tough. In terms of talking records, it's not friendly to you, but two zero is less friendly yeah, and, and you talk about in any sport grinding out. 50-50 wins. That game too, as you said, may be that key 50-50 win that you ground out. The good teams in the bad ones. That's it. That's what you said. The good teams in the bad ones. That's another one. With Kemba, if he shoots,
1: he, he shot 6 of 18. Um, Brown was 5 of 13. Tice is 1 of 5. If that's what... And Marcus Smart before the last quarter was 1 of 9, I think, or 1 of 8, 1 of 7. So... The Celtics had no business winning that game against any other team, but for them to steal that win is huge for the remainder of the series.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because even if, for example, the Raptors pinch the next one, I don't ever see a Brad Stevens team getting really just, unless you have the worst day, you know, just have a really off day. I don't see a Brad Stevens team ever getting blown out in Mm. these scenarios. So if the Raptors are really going to have to grind and pinch one, and just say so they get that if you guys win game four, that's three one, and we all know about the records with three one so yeah i i I'm taking the Celtics now, basically, the Raptors' lack of star power is really coming to the surface, and it's unfortunate for them so and before we move on the nafe we, spo-
1: <laughs> we, we we spend some time on Lugan's Dort as the breakout player, but what about Robert Williams the third coming in? In the two games, he's ten from ten. He is playing some good basketball. Like, I know this is a Celtic fan of me, but he just looks comfortable on the floor at the moment, and I'm just, I'm just stoked. And I'm you must be seeing it as well. He looks good out there.
0: I sometimes I get confused, literally, about when players don't get a bit more of a shot. I know that he just doesn't really fit within the system. I know he's a bit young and clumsy and silly sometimes, uh, Robert Williams, but from the moment I saw him, I wondered why he wasn't that you know, they're just trying to really get the minutes into him and and grow him because yeah, he's a, a bright spark. It just looks
1: disruptive on the on the defensive end at the moment. And just one of those players like DeAndre Jordan made a career out of it. You put the ball up at the rim and yeah. he's gonna go get it.
0: That's it. So let's move on because I'm That's sure not. I'm I wanna gonna keep, have to I wanna keep talking about it. <laughs> i'm sure i'm gonna to have to keep here I, I i said to jack before we got on and started recording that the only thing keeping me sane and the only reason i'm not like really like falling apart is i'm so sure that the clippers are going to beat whoever comes out of the east and win the championship and or or and i'm i'm pretty sure the lakers can do it as well so knowing that the the Celtics, in my mind, aren't going to win the championship. It's, <laughs> it's keeping me sane. So, But we'll continue hearing about it for the next few weeks. Don't you worry. I'll, I'll be in you. All right. So now the other series, the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Currently, after today's result, the Miami Heat are leading the Bucks 2-0. I'm probably going to go off here, JL about the Bucks and Giannis because damn I'm right. And I, last week on the pod, I said, I, because of my wrong Portland prediction over the Lakers, I'm like, I'm not going to say anything silly. I think Giannis (laughs) is the key.
1: Be conservative.
0: But I should have come out and said (laughs) it. The heat zone destroyed us with our lack of shooting. The, Milwaukee Bucks are struggling with it. Giannis is struggling greatly with it. Brooke Lopez looks like the only spark, and that only happened today. Oh, well, sorry. He did all right the other day as well, but for me today, he was... Oh, he... Well, sorry. He had only 16 points today, but I just felt that Brooke Lopez, defensive, offensive end, is just one of the only good-looking things on that floor for the Bucks. The Bucks are damn pretenders. I'm not sure if they say that around the world other than Australia, but the Bucks are pretenders, man.
1: They're look, I don't know where this year is gonna go either. Um <laughs> we know well, we saw it last year in the in the second round when Milwaukee had the two game lead over Toronto and then it obviously flipped quite quickly. Um but I just don't know what's happening there. They play this certain game style all season long and then they just slowed it right down for the playoffs. Um Just doesn't look convincing at the moment.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I just and they've been playing like that for most of the bubble. Call it what you want. I'm I'm over it. I reckon that they're they're just hollow. You, they're easy to work out. Giannis Antetokounmpo is easy to work out, and I do not think he's. You know, so many people jump on Philly's back about the lack of shooting and blah, blah, blah. I've said it before, and let me say it publicly on the pod. Giannis is just a longer, worse passer Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons has upped his defense to the defensive player of the year, who that's questionable if he's even really worthy of the, the defensive player of the year. Did we? Did we say that he won it on the last pod? He did. Anyway, I think we did. I don't know. Ben Simmons has up his upped his defense to that level. Giannis is not as good as passer. Yes, he's great as dunks, but it, great at dunks. That's the one thing he's better at Ben than. If Ben actually wanted to shoot, he would shoot as well as Giannis does. I I honestly believe that. Because Giannis is not a good shooter. Like, that's simple. He's awful. Um Giannis is Giannis is overrated. Let me just boom. Let me just blow it up right there. I'm not gonna like keep like adding on to takes and whatever. Giannis is overrated. He I, so, so whenever I, I see, I hope you get him for the random player <laughs> debate later on because that would be contradictory. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever I see the yeah whatever you know people talking about who's the best player right now, you see the lists or you talk about who's the best player in the game right now. Yes, he's going to win your back-to-back MVPs, but the regular season is so different, and and you got players like for who I think is the best player in the game, like right now, Kawhi, who don't care about the regular season. Give me Kawhi, KD, LeBron, someone else over Giannis every day. Who's who? Who's is there another one before Giannis? that I'm. I would nearly. I reckon I'd take AD over bloody Giannis. I would take Embiid over Giannis. Pardon. Doncic, where do you sit on those two? Harden's, Harden's playoffs. I like Giannis's playoffs. So I don't know. Doncic is really growing on me, especially after these playoffs. But yeah, uh, but oh, sorry, but I really don't like when you're not great on both ends of the ball, and Doncic really needs to quicken up those lateral feet. But yeah, I would say Embiid, AD, LeBron, Kawhi are all better than Giannis. Let me say that right now. I'll make a bloody graphic of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nave said this. Take it to the grave. Hit me with what you think of that, and we'll uh, get to the player debate. JR, what do you think of my little rant there?
1: I think he's back-to-back MVP for a reason. Um, <sighs> I think it's too early to judge his playoff success because I mean, he's playing with the Milwaukee Bucks. for God's sake. like he's he's <laughs> for his what his third year in the playoffs. I think he had one as a rookie, but it doesn't really count. Um, it's too early to tell whether he can produce or not um dominated the first round and he still played he still played incredibly well today um 29 points 10 from 18 from the field 14 rebounds three assists and a block all to go with it um just obviously the the lack of shootings the one that the skill error that well the skill floor i suppose it just stands out um to, to call him, to call him a just a bigger and longer Ben Simmons, um, I mean there there is some truth to it. But I think when you listed the best players there, Giannis is the only one that's purely there because of athleticism. I'll agree yep. with you on that. He's the that's only one right. that hasn't added to what he's what he's been given, sort of thing. He just loves to drive and loves to dunk it um, from the restricted area and restricted area and extended pass. That he's not not a elite player like the others are. However, I still think the Bucks are a good shot for this series. Um, they haven't actually played that poorly. Miami's just sort of had their way with them so far. But honestly, I don't know how sustainable Miami's game is at the moment. Um, in game one, you saw Butler go for 40. That's not going to happen again. Game two, all their role players stepped up. They had, what, seven players scoring double digits. That probably won't happen again. Um but,
0: yeah, but the, the thing Bucs is that even Bucs. I, yeah, like even I and I don't love Miami, and we i I've also been saying how sustainable is their they're relying on the rookies all year, but they, as we talked about the records and that I know they can come back to bucks, of course, they can, but the Miami own Spolstra, Jimmy Butler doing it when it needs to be done, um, Duncan Robinson is the greatest shooter I've ever seen, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Uh, can't miss and, Ty- and Tyler Hero is just a, like a bench version of him. This team is going to do, like I said about the Celtics, even if the Bucks grind out, the, the Heat are going to make them grind every win. Mm. And even if the Bucks grind game three or four, the Heat will take one more. And once you've got three, it's hard for the other team to get four, especially from the position that the Bucks are coming from now. Yeah. I don't know, man. I... I that I've been talking about that Miami zone all year and it's it's like a big bloody death trap and the Bucs.
1: I think you're underrating the Bucks here. I think they'll come out game three and uh all right, just we'll see. To make it a series and that's the thing we will see. But what did you think about the um the two calls at the end of the game?
0: I want to look at a rule book, which I haven't done, on the Dragic. Yeah. Dragage about Middleton and then Yes, I I would love to see the rule book on the Dragic one because he was incredibly close. He was pretty much in, especially like your IT4, he was in his landing spot. Mm. However, he was there well before, I I think even the shot went up. Yeah, so
1: So, I went back and looked at the replay. They showed showed it a lot while they were reviewing it. And, of mm. course, Steve Jarvie, who's there the ex referee that does the ESPN games who disagrees with the refs. He pointed out <laughs> that while Milton was going up, um, Dragic was moving forwards. And mm. that was the difference. So if he was standing still prior to the shot, that's yeah. fine. But while Milton's going up, that two is leaning forward. And to me it's still an iffy call, but you've got to remember they they the refs don't have the they don't have the, the benefit of looking at replays. They were calling in real time. And when you see a shooter land on on a defender because they've taken the area space, that's going to be called a foul more often than not.
0: Yeah, it, it was an extremely tough one, as you said, because maybe he inched closer right at the last second, but he just looks so planted and straight up. But as I said, you know, he was so close to him. So I guess either way, and I thought in terms of what I thought on the other one, Giannis fouling Jimmy with 0.0 left and Jimmy literally kicked a goal after the siren on AFL terms. Um which I've never seen before. I've never actually seen 0.0, zero take yeah. the free throws, everyone get off. I, have you ever seen that uh, before? Not, I've never seen that. Not end
1: of game that I can remember. Um, I've seen it like the end of quarters and things like that, but never.
0: Yeah, yeah um if, if I've
1: if n- free throw to win the game.
0: Yeah, I've never seen yeah, as I said, zero point zero time on the clock and take the free throws. But I guess the foul is there. Giannis hand clearly touches him. It's it's a tough one because it's soft in the terms of how physical all those moments were. However, I also thought again, I don't know if other countries say this term, but you know, the old AFL umpire, even a <laughs> Yeah, You know, when when they've made a shocker, the AFL umpires made a shocking decision one end and the crowd absolutely gives it to them, maybe some tons of Bronx Bronx shears maybe. And so the next play against the other side, they'll give us a shitty free kick or a a shitty foul. The old make-up
1: call. Um, And that's it. Mark Davis was the referee that called both of those fouls. So once he called the first one, there was no way he was going to let Giannis get away with the second.
0: So that's it, and there would have been and exactly what I'm talking about the If a Miami heat crowd was there, they would have been so disgusted and booing with the what they thought was the the dragage call, and with the Jimmy call, they might have given some Bronx cheers saying, "You know, good on your ref, thank you for <laughs> finally giving us one sort of thing, so that's another Bronx cheer moment was a foul both of them pretty much you can give them can give them can leave them Um, Giannis is more of a foul but the heat steal it and the heat are up 2-0 we will have to see if I just look like a big idiot again but I even if the bucks go all the way to the finals I do not think they've got any chance against the Clippers especially maybe the Lakers but especially the Clippers (sighs) anyway it's time it's time for that favorite time of the week, our random player debate. I'm gonna get a player churned out from this randomizer I've got of all the active NBA players. You're gonna get a player jail, and then we are going to argue who is better.
1: Are you ready? Let's get Google open. Let's be quick here. I'm ready to rock and
0: roll. I've pressed the button and I have received Trey Young. Oh, and you have received. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I'm trying to channel my Charles Barkley p- pronunciation. J- Jonas Valencinus. <laughs> <laughs> Valentuna Waste is how
1: he initially said it. Jo-
0: <laughs> Valentuna <Wastos. laughs> <laughs> That video is on the fun. Uh, oh. Jonas Valentunus. Oh boy. Yes. Yeah, so get him up. Trey Young, the goat. All right, all right, let's get it. Trey Young, Rayford. Trey Young is actually his first name is Rayford. I never knew that. And he's lo- he's lost on just that argument itself. He and he, despite his, have you seen Eight Mile? No. Eminem. Anyway. In Eminem's final rap, he says basically he says, "I know what you're gonna say about me," and then he sort of bags himself, and that wins the argument because you can't say anything. I know you're gonna say that Trey Young is losing his hair; he's got thin hair. <laughs> Jail. That was the last thing <laughs> on my mind. I know that you're gonna say that his first name is Rayford. However, yeah. his his nickname is Ice Trey. You know why? Because he's got ice in his veins. He bombs away. From half-court on a daily basis, he is amazing. He shoots really good. He's good at offense. (laughs) (laughs) In his first, in his rookie season, he had 19.1 points per game. And then what did he do in his second season? He stepped it up. 29.6 points per game. He's got a career average of 50 effective field goal percentage. (laughs) 50 on the dot. He's Three-point percentage is 34%. Let's bump it up to 35. He always takes a few attempts. He averages 7.5 attempts from three. So that's a good percentage from from behind the arc. He manages to not go blind, even though the Hawks have the worst colors in the league. That's honestly, uh, that's that's the winner there, I would say. He played (laughs) with Vince Carter. So he's got some wisdom in him and... I'm ready for your rebuttal because I I've got to come up with more shit. <laughs> well, so you talked about Trey Young's effective field goal
1: percentage at, <laughs> at 500. Jonas Valanciunas' yep. career effective field goal percentage 57. So I've got you covered there. You talk about Trey Young being a good three-point shooter. Fact of the matter is he's not. He might he might chuck him up. He might hit him at a whatever rate. So for his career shooting, 34.4 percent. Jonas Valanciunas for his career, 35.5. Number of makes doesn't matter. Jonas (laughs) Valanciunas is hitting them more efficiently, and efficiency is the only thing that matters in today's NBA. Now, you mentioned what I was going to talk about, but you didn't mention the one flaw that everyone knows Trey Young has, and that is his defense. He is absolutely atrocious on the defensive end, and even you know that. Trey Young is so bad defensively, despite him being a good offensive player, his team is... Worse with him on the floor than they are with him on it. That is incredible. So while he's on the fo- while he's on the court, the team's plus minus on average is negative three point eight. Uh, that doesn't
0: matter. <laughs> 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 that just simply doesn't <laughs> matter, JL. <laughs> J- I don't know what what kind of stat you're trying to pull there. So you failed to mention how many uh, three point makes that uh, Jonas Va- Jonas Valanciunas. Has had in his career. The fact of the matter is that he has made 77 three point makes for his whole career. Forget that, chuck out that 35% because that means nothing. Jonas Valanciunas was part of the trade to get out of Toronto. You know why? Because Marcus Sol was the championship key. Kawhi Leonard was the mask, he was the front. But Marcus Sol made sure. Embiid was locked down. Embiid was shit. No, sorry, he was good, but <laughs> Embiid <laughs> no, he, he locked shit. Embiid he locked Embiid down. And I don't know if you know. This is a Bronx cheer exclusive. I don't. Know, did you know this, JL Or you know what I'm going to say? What's that? Hit me. Marcus Gasol who was traded for Jonas Valanciunas, this is how this is how Jonas Valanciunas could have never done this in the championship side. He gave Embiid the laxatives, so Embiid missed a whole game. Greg Monroe started a a playoff game last season. <laughs> Marcus getting it all done, what Jonas Valanciunas and DeMar DeRozan could not get done. Jonas Valanciunas is now on the Memphis Grizzlies, the team that everyone was cheering against when they wanted the Suns and the Blazers to go into the play-in game. The Grizzlies are going to be exciting with their uh, Ja Moran and Dylan Brooks future. But is anyone talking about Jonas Valanciunas? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. No one talks to about is him.
1: the future. He's going to be the greatest NBA player of all time. And it's just all coming up because Trey Young, is the reason that Luka Doncic is in Dallas. He's already been part of what may be the worst <laughs> trade of all time. The Atlanta Hawks are furious because they've missed out on what could have been a once in a generational talent and they've got someone who in his two years in the league has had a net rating of negative 6.3 and a net rating of negative 4.9 he's no good you can't have him on the floor because he's so bad defensively you talk about how playoffs are the only thing that matters if this was a playoff game he would be abused and abused and abused all over again because he cannot defend anyone he weighs about 100 pounds soaking wet. He can't do anything. <laughs> and it is just an indictment to basketball where it's meant to be a two-way sport. Yeah, he can bomb threes, whatever. He's not even efficient at it.
0: Jack, um, let me just read the headline of this title of this article that I've just quickly pulled up. Trey Young receives January NBA Cares Community Assist Award presented by Kaiser Permanent. Sorry if I've butchered that company name. But you know why? And I cannot be bothered reading any of this wording but because he's a great guy Trey Young received that caring assist award because he cares and he cares more than Jonas Valanciunas does I'm sure that if uh Jonas Valanciunas had to choose between money or saving some puppies he would choose the money (laughs) but Trey Young would choose the puppies uh I don't know if Jonas has ever won this award uh so it comes down to who you think is a better person. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. All, your, your people never survive coronavirus. My <laughs> people aren't dumb enough to get coronavirus. <laughs> they never survive coronavirus. They always sign max contracts <laughs> for the Sixers and ruin our future. <laughs> um, and also, let's get into the nicknames. You, you brought it up last week. Ice Trey is a sick nickname. Ice Trey. You know, that's a, do you know that's a double meaning. Do you know what
1: has? He's got JV, he's got the Lithuanian Lightning, and he's got Big Science. I don't know why there is nicknames. <laughs> but J V the- he is just a level above. He the defense funnels into him because he's such a great center. He scores the ball, he passes the ball. He's just an elite player. And Trey Young is a one-trick pony.
0: Anyway, his nickname is Superior. His shooting is those of Stephen Curry. His defense We'll pretend like, you know, we don't have to worry about that. He plays for the exciting Hawks. I believe the Hawks, either last season or the season before, their stadium was voted the best experience or atmosphere or something like that. That's not something I'm just making up. And that put that down to Trey Young and his excitement. I don't see any well, stadiums got, I've of I've got
1: one more stat for you that's not to do with stadiums that will suggest to me with fact that Valentinous is better. Now I need you to okay. do something first. Two is more. Than, okay. Two is more than one, isn't it? Two is better than one.
0: Well, some may argue, but yeah. okay, yeah, I'll give you that. In 2013,
1: Valanciunas was in the NBA All Rookie Second Team, but Trey Young was in the All Rookie First Team. Once again, two is better than one. You can't <laughs> nah. argue that Valanciunas is the better
0: player. Self burn. I love those <laughs> ones. <laughs> anyway. Go and vote on Facebook, all our listeners. Go vote on Facebook on who you think won this debate, who you think is better as well. Trey Young, the goat, or Valentunis, the I don't even know what you can call it. the Lithuanian. The big, <laughs> the big science. <laughs> uh jl thank you so much for coming on i'm sure you'll be a happy man next time we speak again well i was going to say once
1: the celtics start losing i think i'm going to stop rocking up to these podcasts because i'll have nothing to talk about so <laughs> fingers
0: crossed for your sake uh the celtics keep rolling i also want to mention before we go that we have for our 10th upload for our 10th upload you could call it our 10th episode next time round, we have a very special guest He's an NBA player. I think currently you, you'd say he's, he's on the Sixers. Yep. And he is an Australian. This is probably leading people the wrong way. <laughs> we'll uh, leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. He's an NBA player and he's coming on for our 10th upload. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for coming on, Jail. It's going to be rowdy next week. I'm looking forward to it. Once again, I warn you, do not miss the next episode of the Bronx Cheer Basketball Show. It is our 10th episode. It's a special one, and so we're bringing on a special guest. It's going to be a great show. He's a current NBA player. We're all very excited, and we can't wait for you guys to get to listen to that one. Keep an eye on the social media pages to hear about the news. On Twitter, we are Bronx Cheer B-Ball on Facebook and Instagram we are the Bronx Cheer Basketball. If you're wanting to recommend us to a friend or simply just start listening to the podcast on another podcast directory, we're on pretty much all of them whether it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, whatever you name it. We're simply the Bronx Cheer Basketball. Please consider following and subscribing, and if you are on Apple iTunes or podcast, it always helps if you can leave a review and five stars. Thank you so much for listening definitely tune in for our next episode when we'll have an NBA guest talk to you guys later